Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're back in Athens, speaking once again to Will Burnham about movements among the refugees and immigrants and even among the Greeks. In Athens now for just over six years and uh, before that spent some time in North India um, working under uh, Jeff Sundell and, and that whole crew up there which was great kind of where we cut our teeth and gave us an idea of what we wanted to try to do when we got to Athens and so that's a really quick synopsis uh, but and it really, in our last interview, we talked really just about how we, how we kind of set the stage for what we're seeing now and just the importance of uh, finding and raising up national believers to be on the front lines. So really, and you can listen to the other interview to learn more about how we did that. But just the fact is, you know, everything that we're doing now and, and the fruit that we're seeing in the churches that we're seeing planted are 100% being done by national believers, and we really have a high value on their ability and because they're the best at it. They're, they're the A-League. Uh, but obviously, your A-League is an Afghan reaching an Afghan, you know, that came out of Islam. You know, Iranian reaching an Iranian that, that came out of Islam, you know, Moroccan reaching Moroccans, whatever. Uh, so that's, you know, those A-Leaguers, that's who we're looking for because they're the best at it. You know, right now we're working with six guys. I, I don't have time to tell all of their stories yeah. Um, you know, but, but Hadi is a great example. He's a young Afghan believer. Uh, he's in his late twenties, early thirties. And, um, he came to faith, uh, once he got here to Athens, uh, just on his refugee journey, you know, was seeking, uh, you know, all of those things that you tend to see in Muslims coming to faith. You know, he had an interaction with the believer. Uh, he got copies of, uh, portions of scripture in his heart language. He had a dream, he had visions, and all of that just led him to the Lord. And then he started working with a humanitarian aid organization here in Athens. But when I met Hadi and I heard his story, I offered to take him out for, for tea or coffee and just to hear more about his passion. And one of the first things he tells me is, uh, he says, Will, man, I, just, I love sharing Christ with Muslims, like the hardest of the hardest Muslims. I come from Afghanistan and, and, uh, you know, they're really difficult people to share and to talk with, but I love it. I'm like, man, brother, that's, all, that's like a dream come true, right? Uh, and so just kind of slowly start walking alongside, uh, you know, Hadi and just casting vision for No Place Left, starting to give him some tools just to see what he'll do with them. And man, just, you know, he, he was already an L1 type leader. And What's an L1 type leader? Yeah, an L1 is, a, is an evangelist, a bold evangelist who, who is seeing fruit, you know, within his ministry. And, um, and then, you know, L1 to L5, I, I don't, we don't have time to do the full training, but L2 is church planner, L3, uh, multiple churches kind of creating a network, L4, they're releasing the authority uh, and really starting to see movement. L5, they're actually training other, um, other groups of churches and have fully released the authority of theirs. So 32nd, L1 to L5. Uh, you know, but L1s are typically the guys that we find, you know, so those A-leaguers that we're looking for, usually they're already at that point. Uh, very rarely is it somebody that we have led to the Lord. As a matter of fact, I don't know of that many, I don't know what the percentage, but it's got to be really high 
when you look within movements, there's an insider there. There's an A-leaguer who was, who was already a believer and just needed to give a little bit of vision and strategy and tools and resources. But the passion was there. Just nobody had given them a chance. And that's really kind of the main thing that we look at. Where are those guys out there that are just hungry, uh, you know, to be used by the Lord, but nobody's ever given them a chance. And Hadi is a great example of that. Uh, so that once we gave him that and we get, and we and basically for a lot of these guys, the, 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 the light bulbs start to go off when we really kind of push them out front. It's like, no brother, this is, this is your ministry. This is your fruit. I'm not coming to your groups. I'm not teaching your people. You are. And really to push them on the front edge, even though it took, it takes time, you know, because he doesn't have the knowledge and, and all of that. It's fine. I'd, I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather not have all of that. I'd rather have an A-leaguer up front and it take a little bit more time, but it's really based on obedience. And, and when he really starts getting excited about, you know, his Timothy's and, you know, there's ten, his Timothy's have now led other people to faith. And uh, so, man, just over the last three years working alongside Hadi and really the last six months, again, because he's free, uh, you know, he's freed up in ministry to do this full time. We, we help do that for him. Uh, so when the reality comes that he can go to uh, Lesbos, which is a, a hot spot right now for refugees still coming in from Turkey, and we're able to partner with another uh, ministry that's there that has facilities and a shared shared vision, uh, but they don't have anybody. They don't have any A-leaguers. They don't have anybody like Hadi. And so we're able to say, hey, Hadi, man, you want to go to Lesbos and spend a few months there? Well, a few months has turned into six. And, you know, he's, he's starting on a second church plant. And just the issue there is just constant rotation of people. But to see a church planted in that setting is just a phenomenal. And to see leaders being raised up. So now when Hadi sends me messages, uh, it's not about what he's doing. It's about what some of his Timothys are doing. And that's, that's the exciting part. And you have half a dozen guys like this who have come to Christ and, and you're uh, coaching and mobilizing to help them multiply amongst their people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a, we've got a team here on the ground, so it's not just me, but there's, there's three of us in particular that are really investing in these guys. Uh, coaching is definitely the right word. Uh, and really just trying to we've, – we've helped – give them the, uh, the authority that they might need in certain settings by uh, licensing and even ordaining some of them uh, through our church back in the States. Uh, but really that just gives them some, um, some authority in certain legacy settings, uh, which is just unfortunate they needed it. But regardless, just to kind of prop them up as much as we can uh, and so that they can be the most effective. And right now the brothers are from Afghanistan, Iran, uh, the Congo, Pakistan, um, Iraq, and Greece. Okay. So, and typically, are they mainly uh, working amongst their language or people group? For the most part, yeah. You've got some crossover. Again, when you're looking in the Persian world, when you're looking at mm. Iranians and Afghans, there's obviously an easy uh, bleed over there. And then uh, when you're looking on the Kurdish Arabic work, uh, even though he's Iraqi Kurdish, Obviously, he's doing a lot of work among Syrians and Lebanese and really any, any Arabic-speaking people. So we kind of have taken the – just because of the setting, it's not necessarily ideal that, you know, I, I'd love a, a Lebanese sharing with a Lebanese, but mm. I'll take an mbb -er from Iraq who can speak, you know, Arabic and Kurdish and who's passionate about lostness, uh, you know, so he can do that. He can engage. And so we just kind of make the 
best of what we've got. So we've kind of taken more of a linguistic approach. You know, I got a French speaker from the Congo who has led Moroccans to the Lord. Uh, you know, again, you'd love a Moroccan sharing with Moroccans, but I'll take a French speaker who loves Jesus, who's an A-leaguer, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, in that setting, maybe he's a B-league, but it's still better than me, uh, for sure. And I think so in, a, in a refugee setting, the more the foreigners involved, the more skewed the motives of those coming is just a reality. Mm-hmm. So we've got to just be wise in that practice. I think in a lot of third world settings, same thing. You know, what it, when they see you and I, uh, it just, it's just a natural outflow that they're going to be thinking about the next step for them. You know, for refugees, they don't want to stay here. They want to move on. You know, they're looking at a better life. They're looking at a better future. And I can look like, you know, it's just funny, but, you know, I can look like eye candy to them which, you know, nobody's ever accused me of that, but that's the reality. And so the more I can back away and really put guys like Hadi out front, uh, because he can filter through that. You know, I just, just had a meeting yesterday with our Iraqi Kurdish brother, and he's just sharing with me about a, uh, an, another Iraqi man who is trying to take advantage of another, another foreigner. And, you know, he says, you know, he can't do that with me. You know, cause I, you know, I know, I know what he's trying, you know, I know what he's doing and, you know, just as a foreigners, especially from the West, you know, we tend to want to believe the best in people and, uh, you know, look for the positive and, you know, we just get taken advantage of a lot. So hands down, probably the most important part of our work, even early on is trying to find these brothers that, um, you know, God is already called typically. And they're just looking for an opportunity. So really to prioritize my time in the effort to try to find these brothers. Which is there any pattern in what in how God is using you to find those brothers? Um no. <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, because we found them all kind of in different settings. Um, and I think we covered some of this in the first interview, but I can't remember exactly, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm at, I'm at one meeting, you know, meeting with somebody about their ministry and, and somebody walks in the back and they look at me and say, Oh, you got to meet this guy. You know, he, he's the kind of guy you would want to work with. Okay. There you go. You know, let's meet and let's have coffee and let's, let's hear your, let's hear your testimony. Let me, so it's just, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, learning to ask those right questions and, and, and really just trying to hear those common responses that you kind of, you, you, you know, in these A-League type brothers that are already L1s that, you know, are just kind of really waiting for an opportunity. You start to hear common responses uh, mm-hmm. to questions, uh, you know, and, and, and usually it's a lot, I didn't know I could do that, but man, absolutely. You know, you, so you just, you begin to see the eagerness and then it's, you know, it's a few months of just walking side by side with them, you know, meeting with them a couple of times a week, uh, you know, hey man, tell me about your week. How did it go? And you said you were going to do this and this, and you know, how did that go? And hey, let me give you this, this next tool and let me see what you do with it. And, you know, we slowly just kind of start to see their passion for no place left kind of come about. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of that process. So just to reflect back, you're, you're out there connecting and you're looking for believers who are already engaged in sharing the gospel or have a real burden to do that. 
and then you take some time to journey with them and and give them tasks, give them some input and see what they do with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're putting yourself in a place where you're bumping into people and Mm -hmm. you're uh, you're not looking to activate a passive believer. I mean, you'd do that if you could, but you're actually looking for believers within that community who already have a burden to make disciples. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it can happen. I mean, and we've seen it happen. And mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll say this, you know, a passive believer is best motivated by somebody from their own people group, mm-hmm. uh, not, from a, not from a foreigner. And so what we have seen is that, again, coming back to the guys, it always comes back to them. If, you, if you've got the right guys and, and you, you, you can cast that vision and they catch it, and they get passionate about it, they start talking to their people about it. And they start casting vision to their people. And when they hear of a pocket of believers, our Pakistani brother that we're working with, uh, you know, his, his, his network now in Greece, it's, it's so funny, just God ordained, how he finds out about these pockets of believers that are now all over Greece. And because they're migrant workers, you know, the, the Pakistanis are one of the few that are willing to travel and do, you know, field manual labor. And so what happens, you end up with four or five Pakistani believers that are four hours outside of Athens that are working with a crew of 80 Muslims. And they all kind of have communal living and they just go from village to village harvesting whatever, um, you know, fruit or, or vegetable is in season. And so he'll be on a train going to visit with one of them. And a Muslim Pakistani man who's going to work there says, you know, so as he's sharing, uh, the Muslim man, you know, he doesn't believe, but he says, you know what, I, there's, there's Christians over in this other village. You should go see, see them. And sure enough, you know, he, he diverts a little bit and he goes to visit them and there's, there's believers there. Well, they didn't know what to do, those believers. They're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And so for awesome to be able to go in and to, um, you know, cast vision to those four guys, you know, really three out of the four are pretty nominal uh, actually came from a Catholic background, uh, but, you know, now would say that they're believers, but one of those guys caught the vision. And so it's from, it comes from awesome being able to go to do that, to be able to filter through, even though all four of those guys were believers, uh, one of them really caught the vision, but he caught it from awesome, not from me. Would have been a lot more difficult for me to get in there. And who knows if they would have understood it the same way if I had gone. So it's that, it's that, a-leaguer, that L1 who's moving into L2, L3 uh, leader that we really want to put a lot of our investment in uh, because they're going to be the best ones to motivate, uh, let's say, nominal believers within their own people group, much, much better than, than me, again. And so, Will, you're, through your guys, you're, you're seeing um, disciples and churches form amongst what sort of people groups? Yeah, I mean, all of those languages that I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned languages, but, um, you know, so, so Pakistani, um, Iraqi, Syrian, Lebanese, uh, Iranian, Afghan, um, uh, we're starting new work among Greeks, which is amazing, and we're excited about that. Um, and um, in, the, in the French work, um, Congolese, Nigerian, Togo, Burkina Faso, uh, there's about 10 different uh, nations uh, within that kind of that, that vein of Africa that are here that we're seeing work among as well. So 
Yeah, and that's probably the biggest difference between our last interview, which was a year ago, and now is that we're seeing churches planted. You know, whereas before, you know, we were we were getting downstream with discipleship, third, fourth generation discipleship, uh, but then people were moving on so quickly. Um, you know, we just didn't have the time with them here. Well, now because the law, international laws have changed, and you know, the refugees are unfortunately for them, uh, you know, they're stuck here for two, three years. And what that does, though, it gives us more time for them to actually go through the full discipleship process, short-term discipleship process, you know, eight weeks, let's say, and then get plugged into or start, begin a new uh, church. And that's what we're just seeing happen more and more and more are our churches formed out of those that have gone through the discipleship process. And now we're actually starting to see generational church happen as well, which is just a, a, a great Thing to see. We're excited about that. Hands down, that's the biggest difference between last year and this year. It's just because of uh, just the reality of the situation. People are here longer. And so it gives and, our... And, and so previously, I mean, I think I remember it, you might have only had six or eight weeks with someone before right. they moved on to some other part of Europe. Yeah. And now you're getting more like two to three years. Yeah. Well, it dep- yes, it, it depends. So... Um, if because we, we may not meet them in their journey, let's say, until they're about to leave. So it still happens where we only have somebody for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But the reality is now it's, it's more that we've got longer access. I'd say at least a year, year and a half uh, with people. But um, kind of even and even more exciting is that it's happening, you know, generationally. So now there's just there's more people hearing. There's more people being exposed to the gospel. There's more opportunities for people to uh, experience a, a, you know, a, a reproducible church plant uh, now than ever before. Uh, and so they may, we may not find them till later in their journey, but they, as far as they're about to leave now and move up into Northern Europe or move back, uh, you know, into homeland. But because now there's more churches and more spread out, they've got more opportunity to experience healthy church. We've got more Timothy's and okay. third gen guys planning churches that um, they, they're just the, 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 the network is expanding. So we may meet somebody a little bit later, but they're able to jump right into something that's already healthy so they can see it before they move on, which is for us is exciting. Okay. Yeah. Now, just because you have more time, that doesn't automatically guarantee church formation. No, so there must be some things you and 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 the FOCO have learnt about moving from uh, disciples into church formation. What what is that that you're learning? Intentionality, and it really comes from the again. I'm just going to talk about them the whole time because you know, they're really the guys that are doing the work. But it comes from them, and so. Uh, you know, a lot of my conversation with them now is as we're as we're doing their gen mapping. Um, okay, so you started you started meeting with these four guys. Does that intend to be church? So, like from the very beginning, uh, does that you intend for that to be a church, or do they understand that they're going to be a church? And now, more often than not, the answer is yes. Uh, we still get the ones who are like, no, uh, you know, they're they're probably not going to be church, but they're able to say that now because they've seen what the other ones have done. And they see, you know, yeah, these guys probably probably not going to happen. Let's keep investing in them because they are being faithful. 
but the, you know, they're leaving too soon or it's too difficult for them to gather in their setting. It's kind of dangerous. There's still some of that going on, uh, you know, but for the most part, it's just the intentionality of we want these to be churches. We want them to experience healthy church before they move on. Some of them for a few weeks, some of them for a few months, some of them for a few years. And some of these guys are going to be, and we're starting to see this, guys that have already seen second and third gen themselves uh, that are now moving on into other places in Europe or back uh, into homeland. And so that's really kind of where we see the spread of a, you know, you know, a city like Athens that you're going to have, call it a hub or whatever you want to call it. But the reality is people are coming and going constantly. They don't come here to stay. Uh, And so how can we, what's the most effective way that we can train them and for them to experience something healthy that they can reproduce wherever they go. I know we talked about this in our last interview. You know, the reality is when somebody moves from Athens, let's say to Germany, very rarely do they land in a city where there's a evangelical church among their people group. Um, it's also rare that they find an, you know, let's say a German evangelical church that they can be a part of. And so we find God, they just get up there and they get lost. You know, they don't have any community. And, you know, if we didn't give them an opportunity here to experience a healthy reproducible church, how can we expect them to go there and plant a church? Uh, and so certainly the vision is that, Nobody leaves Athens to go find a church. People leave Athens to go plant churches, whether that's up in Europe or whether that's back again in, in, in the homeland. Uh, and so that's the intentionality of that is is key. And just kind of keeping that in front of the guys, um, you know, keep keep things reproducible, keep things moving, uh, you know, keep, you know, releasing authority, keep passing that off. Uh, hey, you know, there's no need for that family to come here to start another church in their home. And just that communication now is a little bit more streamlined than it was, let's say a year ago. And so new disciples are able to experience church there in Athens. And you're saying that now some of them are moving on and up into Europe and Mm -hmm. some of them are returning home to the countries, I guess in some cases they were fleeing from. Right. And churches are being started not only in Athens but in other parts of Europe and back in the Middle East or North Africa or other parts of Africa and as far away as Pakistan. Is that happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the beautiful thing about uh, now it's harder to track actual church plants mm-hmm. back in home country. Uh, just, it's a little bit more difficult you know, just being able to have that conversation. Um, but we do know of certain locations um, back in certain Muslim countries where either disciples that left here with the intention of going back to plant a church are there now and they're active. Uh, you know, entire families that came, came to faith and now had moved back, moved back with the intention of being disciple makers and church planters. And there's still some communication. Uh, that's certainly an element that we need to, um, you know, just do a better job of. But, you know, let's take Pakistan, for example, We've got lots of no place left minded guys, you know, working in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And so what we've been able to do, uh, you know, awesome. We'll get a phone call from, you know, a village out in, you know, middle of nowhere, Pakistan. uh, uh, And and there's a pocket of believers there and they've connected with awesome because he's got a YouTube channel or whatever. And he finds out where they are. Well, we call 
you know, like-minded coworkers that are coming in and out of Pakistan. Go, hey, we've got a pocket of believers over here that want to get trained, and it happens. And so that's where just the you know, like the no place left community really can um, advance, you know, kingdom growth by just cooperating. We can't all go there. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome can't go back. So you know, what's you know, next base, next next best thing would be some type of a media resource that we're doing. Uh, you know, among Pakistanis and, and a lot among Iranians. But then, you know, next best, let's get somebody in there, you know, to actually get some training. So that kind of stuff is happening there. And then on up into Europe, uh, we're actually finding, you know, cases. I mean, this literally just happened this week. Uh, I got an email from uh, some No Place Left guys in uh, Germany and uh, said, hey, <clears throat> we've got a Persian guy that we want to get trained. Uh, you know, he's, he's doing ministry, but he's kind of stuck. He actually came out of Athens. So, you know, hey, man, send me his photo, send me his name. We'll come to find out he had been led to the Lord by our Iranian brother here three years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at that time was in a legacy setting. Well, he's now since obviously come out of that and is pursuing movement among Persians and uh, probably and for sure seeing the deepest generation church growth that we've got. Uh, Real wide network now all throughout Europe and back into homeland. and so just come to find out this, this brother came to faith there and now he's stuck. So we're going to, we already have connected them on phone and, and, you know, Jawad remembered this brother, showed him a picture. Absolutely. Uh, so now this guy is hearing from somebody that came out of a legacy setting uh, to pursue movement. He's now able to speak into that, uh, you know, church work in Germany. And then to be, because all of our guys are, are free to travel, they're legal, they've got passports. So they can travel up to Germany and go do a training, go do a three or four day intensive, but it's all being done by nationals. There's no need for the foreigner to be there. And it just, it, 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 um, it heightens the effectiveness. If you've got a trained national believer that can go in there and do that. Uh, and they just, you cut through all the red tape, you cut through all of the, you know, cultural issues, you, you cut through all of the, the linguistic issues and man, just, Hey, I get up there, train those guys. Uh, and let's see how we can get movement going there as well, you know, through their ministry. And so now just being able to do more trainings like that up into Europe is, um, is a real blessing. And we do have churches that are planted now up in Europe uh, through guys that have gone through the network, uh, which is, uh, which is pretty quiet. If he'll be quiet, we'll just keep going. Hey, All right, we're good. Go ahead. Okay. Who's this now? This is Noah. Noah, wonderful. Noah. <laughs> so, okay. what, what, what are you learning about how God is, is using Athens uh, to reach these previously unreached people? It's, a, it's an opportunity that I, I think we've just got to be faithful with. You know, I think there's going to be, um, you know, it's, it's almost, and I think we talked about this in the first interview, it's like it's, I recognize that a lot of it's just not even fair. I mean, we've got, we've got people coming to us. We're not having to go find them. Uh, you know, we've got people coming from places where we can't go. And it's, it's, you know, even if we could go, our ability to share in that setting is limited and much less their ability to respond is so limited. Whereas, you know, what we can do here, they can, they can respond. We can share you know, a national believer can share 
Somebody can respond to the gospel and be discipled without fear. And, you know, it, the, just the opportunity is, you know, just amazing. I mean, you look at Paul's message. Uh, we'll go a little biblical here, but you look at Paul's message on Mars Hill, you know, not far from here, about 2,000 years ago. And he's talking to a bunch of philosophers and he's telling them that, you know, God all throughout history has allowed mass movements of people. You know, why? So that some may seek him and find him. You know, he determines their allotted boundaries and periods of time. I mean, that sounds a lot like what we're going through these days with, with the movement of refugees. And God allows that. And it's hard for us to understand, but God allows that, no doubt. And then we've just got to be faithful. Let's, let's join him in that because he has some among them that are already seeking. And they're, they're, they are ready to receive him, to find him, and to know him. And so just the opportunity to meet them, for many of them in the first environment where they can hear the gospel and respond to it and be discipled, experiencing, you know, uh, interaction with, with Christians for the first time, all of that takes place here. And then the reality is they're not staying. Uh, you know, now we've got a little bit longer, maybe a year, maybe two, where we can just really be strategic in how we train them and disciple them, and not all of them, but a portion of them. Let's send them out as church planners wherever they go. Uh, and because of the natural movement of the refugee highway. And, you know, it's, it's not preordained where they're going to go. I mean, they may want to end up somewhere, but at the end of the day, the UN helps them decide, you know, where they're going to land. And so let's just say, hey, man, the Lord's in charge of that too. And so, okay, I know you wanted to go to Germany, but you just ended up in Austria. Okay. I mean, that's, that's where God wants you. You know, God wants to plant a church among your people in Austria or wherever that might be. So that's just the exciting part, uh, you know, that we see in what God's doing in Athens. It's just, uh, it's an opportunity that, you know, we just don't see it. I don't think in a lot of other mega cities. I mean, there's, there's other mega cities, obviously in the world, uh, but just, you know, a Muslim's first exposure to the Western world, to Christianity, a Muslim's ability to respond. And then the fact that they're not going to say they're going to move on. And uh, it's just a, it's a great opportunity. It is a great opportunity. So you'll want to go back and listen to the previous interview with Will Burnham or the interview we've just done with Jeff and Angie Sundell about the work in Athens. Why don't you pray about going yourself or giving generously so others can go? This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.